Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. If you have been feeling lately that you are in need of some serious inspiration, then you are in the right spot. Today's interview is different than anything that I've done in the past here on the Beauty Biz Show. I am going to introduce you to my friend, Eric Sapperston. He is an award-winning filmmaker. He is an author. He's the author of one of my favorite books. He's going to talk about how this book came about. It's called Live in Wonder, and it's full of quests, quotes, and questions to help you jumpstart your journey in life. And he's also a public speaker. He was a keynote speaker at iSpa just a few years ago. You know, I enjoyed the conversation. It was really deep conversation. He's a very evolved person. And he is on a journey that is so inspirational. And I think that it's going to actually really inspire you to step forward and do something that you feel super passionate about. And wait till the end, because when Eric tells you what success means to him, it very well may shift how you've always felt about becoming successful in a very positive way. So stay tuned. I know you're going to love this show today and you're going to take a lot away from it. Hello and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. I am a licensed esthetician, spa owner, and beauty biz industry coach, consultant, and educator. I'm so excited to share my love of all things beauty industry related with you. So I invite you to join me each week as I feature compelling interviews with industry educators and leaders and inspirational success stories from my fellow beauty biz practitioners. Stay tuned for some powerful beauty biz inspiration. everybody and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Cree, and I have a very special guest today by the name of Eric Sapperston. Hey, Eric, how are you? I'm doing great. Hi, Lori. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here. Oh, my pleasure. Where are we finding you today? Because you're all over the place, all over the world, really. Well, today, today I'm in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, I love it there. Very artsy and cool. You know, they call it the Terrace of the South. Were you interviewing people there? Uh, you know what? I, I'm not. I actually I just came up. We just interviewed uh, Kenny Rogers a few days ago uh, in Atlanta. I invited him to come sit by a, a little campfire and do a really cool interview. And then I just came up here to see some friends that are in some touring rock bands and got a chance to see some shows and celebrate my birthday with a bunch of friends up here. And Happy and, uh, birthday. Kind of take, thank you. Yeah, taking the week off and just enjoying uh, being being in the wilderness and and uh, just enjoying the, the fresh spring air. Do you know my sister and I are in our 40s and we've had a crush on Kenny Rogers since he, he was on Hee Haw in like the 70s? <laughs> <laughs> he, is a, he is one of the, I, I tell you, I've, I've had the privilege of interviewing people uh, you know, from all walks of life, from rock stars to presidents of the United States to Olympic athletes to CEOs to all kinds of people. And he, I, 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 I dare say he was one of my favorites. He's in the top 10 for sure. Just a, a classy man, uh, a guy that lived an extraordinary life. Uh, he was very humble, very real, uh, very um, uh, wise. Uh, had still kept his sense of wonder and creativity. Uh, just, just an all-around uh, extraordinary day to sit with him by a fire and, and talk story and even sang a couple songs for us. Oh, very cool. I saw that on Facebook and I had a moment of jealousy. I'm like, oh my goodness, you really live the coolest life. And I I just watched your video on your website and because I wanted to get excited again about interviewing you and, you know, get the inspiration going. I found you actually, I was in Maui on vacation and I was in, oh gosh, Kanapali, like just north of Kanapali. And I went to a farmer's market and I saw your book at the checkout stand and I picked it up and totally ignored my husband, who I may do all the grocery shopping. <laughs> I just sat there and I read your book and I didn't get it, but I left and I thought about it all night long. I had to go back and get it the next day because I thought it was the coolest book ever. Oh, you're very sweet. Thank you. And this just came about from your travels. Now, going back, you went to school, San Diego State, which is a big party school, right? It is, for sure. Now, I was born and raised in Vermont, and I think you might have been misplaced at birth because you're like all my friends (laughs) I grew grew up with. You were following the Grateful Dead. 
and going to school in San Diego State. So tell me what happens. You graduate and you buy a 1971 Volkswagen bus. I do. I've always, you know, I've always loved uh, vehicles, quirky vehicles, and uh, VW bus was something that I had dreamed of owning. It just it uh, it personifies the open road and adventure and travel and uh, the ability to 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 be on your own and and uh, go where the wind takes you. And it was just a great vehicle, and I wanted to get one, and I've always wanted one. So I, I got one in college, and the Grateful Dead certainly helped me have a fascination for buses. And I, I'd been a student body president. I'd been a fraternity president. I'd been a resident advisor. I worked with the AmeriCorps and the VISTA program. I'd done a lot of things in school, and and I was really kind of burnt out. And I really kind of looked at the world and thought, you know what? A lot of my friends are marching off and going to graduate schools or going to get corporate jobs. Uh, I've had the, the, the privilege of growing up with a father who had a stroke when he was 28 years old. Uh, my mom and dad were married. They had two kids. I wasn't born yet. My dad was the main breadwinner. My mom was a stay-at-home mother. And my dad had a fluky thing where he had uh, you had some bleeding in an artery, and they went in to put a clamp on it. And he came out paralyzed on the entire left side of his body. He had to kind of drag around a dead body for his whole life. And when he uh, when he came out of that experience, he was bitter and angry and frustrated as anybody would be. And my mom ended up becoming the main breadwinner of our family. And my dad became kind of a Mr. Mom, you know, stay-at-home dad who was always on disability. And growing up with a crippled father, you know, I just didn't really believe in guarantees. I didn't believe in five to ten years, so don't five to ten year plans or that the world owes me anything or that, you know, if I just do what's expected that someday I'll get a reward for that. I just I don't I don't subscribe to that, especially knowing that my father had done everything he was supposed to do and then had his life ripped out you know, underneath him. So I've always kind of lived with this idea that life is a precious gift and that there are no guarantees and that you live every day like it's your last. And so I knew after college that I could always go get a job and I could always go back to graduate school. Uh, but I had heard from many a wise person to travel while you're young. And I had the courage to do that. And in the face of all the other folks going off and doing what seemed to be the next right step, I, I bounced and went a different direction. And so I took my Volkswagen bus and I decided I was going to take a year off and follow the Grateful Dead and, and then maybe work a ski season in Aspen. I was an avid snowboarder and skier. And so I thought that'd be kind of fun. And my mentor who had been following my career and had been a major player in, in my development pulled me into his office and he said, look, I think it's great that you're going to take a year off. That's awesome. You know, but after the end of that year, besides partying and playing and having a really good time, what else could you do on that journey that would provide value for yourself and to others? You could still use that time while you're having fun to, to create something, do something, make something, write something. And uh, he really asked me a really poignant question that literally changed the trajectory of my life. And I, I'm an avid surfer and I went surfing and I was thinking about what he'd asked me to do and what I could do. And, as, and having been a student body president, I mentioned, and a leader, and being able to kind of be a spokesperson in my generation, I started to kind of think, well, that's, that, that, that may give me a, a foothold into something. And, and then I looked at our culture, and I realized that there's a lot of people that want to live extraordinary lives. Um, everybody that I knew wanted to do that. But when you look at reality, most people aren't living extraordinary lives. Most people are, over time, get bitter and cynical and resigned and frustrated, and they they lose their way, and I didn't want to be that. I There's no guarantees that I would live a great life. And so I kind of meditated on it and thought, well, all right, if I really want to live you know, a fascinating experience, I can, you know, I want to get up in the morning excited and go to bed fulfilled and, and really you know, make a dent into this world, what would be the surest and quickest and smartest way that I can increase my odds of making that happen? And then I then it hit me. I thought, you know, well, when I'm not following the dead and working the ski season, I'm going to call up the most powerful people on the planet and take them out for coffee. Can I ask you a few questions about this? Because I think this is fascinating. Yeah. First of all, what did you study in college? Like, did you have any, you know, the real structured education and communication or anything that would give you marketing? Like, how'd you, how'd you step forward into this? With what knowledge? Um, well, I studied speech communication. So that was an easy move for me. I, I, I don't know what it is about my life, but I've always been a, a gregarious person. I've always loved um, the act and the art and the science of communication. 
Um, I love, you know, if, if somebody looks different than me, um, I, I tend to go ask them, like, you know, who are you? What are you doing? I've just always been a, a, a communicator, I guess, and I've always had a passion for that. And then as I was looking at uh, opportunities in college to study, you know, I just thought, wow, the number one thing that, 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 that causes divorce or organizations to break down and is, is really the communication is always the thing that, that gets in the way. And, and this was early. Communication now has become in vogue and it's a good discipline to study. But when I was just beginning that journey, that was departments were new and people thought, well, this is ridiculous. I mean, you should go get a you know a business degree or a and you should study accounting or you should do something that's more practical. What are you going to do with speech communication? There wasn't really a direct link into studying that and having a career path. But I just figured if, if I could increase my skills around communication and knowing that it's one of the biggest challenges that faces humans today, that I would be able to find some way to be of service in the world. Did I, did I know that it would launch me into all the things that I've done now? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I, I trusted the process and believed that, that I would find my way, but it, but it's, it's, it's exceeded my expectations for sure. I love where this conversation is going because a big part of my life right now is devoted to empowering people, women basically, but people in business. And the biggest thing they say to me that's holding them back is, Lori, I don't know what to say to a potential client. And I've always, like you, I used to be a flight attendant, so I learned the ways of the world and how to communicate with people. But I've always had a curiosity about people. And what you said really resonated with me. If they look a little different, I want to know their story. For sure. And my dad has always said he, I remember I brought him to Venice Beach. And remember, I grew up in Vermont, a small town. And my dad said to me, it amazes me that everybody has two eyes and nose and a mouth and they're so different. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think on the surface, I think we're different. And then I think uh, when you dig a little deeper, I think we're a lot more alike than we are different. Yeah, that's true. So, I, you know, one of the things I'd love to hear from you is how do you get these powerful people on? The, well, I have so many questions to ask you. First of all, let's go to, I guess, how do you get these powerful people to meet you for a coffee? Because I saw some of your interviews and these are, you know, like vice president of the United States, the Fonz from Happy Days. You had some cool interviews. How do you connect with these people? You know, I, the way that I connect with people is... Um, there, it's it's a game and it's fun. It's just it's a hunt, and I feel like a, a warrior, you know, on on an adventure. And you just, there's a whole lot of really incredible people out there. Some people I just have a desire to meet, and I will just uh, pick up the phone and start calling and just start start the process of figuring out who knows that person, how do I get to that person, who's the gatekeeper, how do I enroll that person into saying yes and and it's a it's a it's an ongoing journey. They're they're not usually very quick. It takes takes everything from you know, multiple phone calls to several months of being able to eliminate people's doubt, enroll them into a possibility, and 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 share with them why it would be a win for everybody involved. Other times, you know, I'm sitting uh, at a restaurant uh, or a dinner, and I share a little bit about my experience, and somebody next to me graciously says, oh my gosh, do you know who this person is? And it turns out to be an astronaut or a, uh, a best-selling author or, you know, the director of the FBI. I mean, it's, 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 it's people, people tend to open up and, and share uh, w with me uh, really amazing people to meet. Um, other times it's just, yeah, there's, there's no rhyme or reason to it, except just that I have a very sincere desire to bridge a gap and open up a dialogue between those that want to learn and those that want to teach. I'm a big fan of wise elders who have lived life to the fullest and have always been intrigued about the lessons they've learned, the struggles they've endured, the challenges that they've had to overcome, and what advice and counsel they would give to others to better prepare themselves for the road ahead. Now, you when you have somebody in front of you, what is it that you want to take away from the interview? Because I love what you say on your website. I'd love you to share some of this with our listeners. You know, when I, when I sit with people, I, I, I'm, I'm quirky and kind of do it my own way. I don't have a, a lot of notes and I don't have questions that are necessarily prepared. I don't study uh, who these people are. Um, I try to go in there as cold as I can and sit across from, you know, whether it's you know, President Jimmy Carter and go, okay, cool. I get, I get it. You're a president. And then who are you really? 
and then we begin a discussion going a whole different direction. I, you know, I'm not trying to say back in 1972, you would not, I would never do that. My, my style is like, who are you? What's going on? What, what's your life look like? What did you, you know, what was the greatest thing you had to overcome as a kid? What are you struggling with right now? You know, is, are you having fun? Are you enjoying it? You know, what's the upside? What's the downside? What, what's the greatest lesson you've learned about love? You know, what's the greatest lesson you've learned about communication? You know, what, what advice would you give to somebody that, you know, what, where did you make mistakes in business that we could all learn from? Well, I'm glad you're open to these kind of questions because I want to go back to you talking about your family because there was something that popped up that I would love to ask you about. Sure. You said when your dad got sick, he became very angry and your mother stepped forward and kind of took over the role as a working woman. What happened with her personality? Did it make her stronger, more confident? Did it break her down a little bit? Like, what did you learn from your mother in this experience? Well, my mom is a is a is a, a hero for sure. I mean, those my parents were not uh, parents that that um, that you would look in the storybooks for. They were they were people who fought and yelled and screamed, and um, they had a very a tumultuous journey. Uh, but as my friend, uh, there's a friend of mine here in the South that has a real great Southern phrase. She said, "There's a lid for every pot." And I just love that line. And there is a lid for every pot when it comes to relationships. My parents, as dysfunctional and as wacky and as crazy as it was for them, they actually loved each other. They loved each other right up until my dad passed away. They were married for 46 years. Um, my, you know, when, we, when my dad died, we were going through his things as a family. And I picked up his wallet, and, and uh, in his wallet was a recent naked picture of my mom, <laughs> uh, which, which was, you know, uh, I think it, it scared me and inspired me <laughs> at the same time. But, um, I totally but, understand you know, they, 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 they loved each They loved each other. They really had, a, a, had their, own, their own dynamic. I think my, my mom and my dad are survivors. They're, they're people who... Um, Really, there's a great line by Eleanor Roosevelt said, do what you can with what you have where you are. And my parents were just very resourceful people. And my mom, for sure, she stepped up. She, she, she did what was necessary. My parents were, you know, low middle class family that, that made money, that they made their small money work. You know, we, we, we weren't, uh, they, they lived in, on the outskirts of really wealthy towns so the kids could have access to good schools. You know, we, we wore hand-me-down clothes and went for shopping. Uh, you know, our, our vacations were, were camping. Uh, but we were they, were, they were good people and they had strong values and a strong work ethic. They believed that uh, anything that you put your mind to it, you can do it. Um, you know, my mom, yeah, my mom really stepped up. And, what did she do for work? While, she ended up becoming a nurse. Oh, okay. And, uh, and worked um, at a hospital, and then and then went into home care health. And uh, yeah, she's she's a superstar lady, very gregarious, very uh, loves people. Um, taught me a lot about um, not being afraid to interact with with other folks. You know, she's she's very she's very playful and and uh, and very very strong. I I think I get a lot of courage from my mom. Oh, that's an awesome story. Very, very cool. So when you decided to do this after you went to San Diego State, you decided to get the van and go travel the world and interview people. Were they supportive? Yeah, you know, I think by the time I was out of college, I think my parents were pretty much expecting me to be exactly who I am. So it wasn't a big shocker. A lot of a lot of people uh, that I come into contact are intimidated and fearful of their parents. You know, their parents end up kind of micromanaging their lives and, you know, they may say they want to do, do something, but their parents are like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to do this. And, and, I think that, and, that, and that may be great for some people. Uh, my parents really had kind of a hands-off, uh, it's your life uh, mentality. That's how I was raised. I understand that. I think in, 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 the, in the, the, the journey of a kid, in my, in my experience, you know, I, I was envious of the parents that, that took a micromanaging interest in their kids. I felt like that at some point in my journey, I felt that was love. I mean, they really cared about their kids and, and I made up that my parents didn't care about me because they let me make my own choices. But as that journey evolved, I have tremendous respect for my parents 
who really did teach me the importance of self-reliance and to, to make my own um, moves in the world and to live with them or to deal with the, uh, the lessons that I would learn from making a, a poor choice. And over, over time, I got to be able to, to really be my own person. And um, one of the things that I'm tremendously grateful for is that my parents never had an interest in being my best friend. They were parents. They were there to guide. They were there, you know, they, they, yeah, they were, they were there to pick up the pieces if I broke them and help me uh, make sure that I didn't skate too far out of bounds um, into the, into the rough, rough grass. But ultimately they, they, they created a container that we got a chance to experiment and play and fall and stub our toes and bang our heads. And over time, I really appreciate that. I have, I have an autonomy and a strength of spirit that, that a lot of people don't have because my parents weren't trying to, to baby me. They weren't trying to be my best friend. They weren't trying to coddle. They weren't trying to protect me from the evils of the world. They were like, hey, the sooner you get the lessons, uh, the smarter you become. I've seen such a shift with my parents. I'm 45 years old, so my parents are in their 70s, and they were the same. It sounds very similar to your parents. They just let us learn, and they tried to keep us within you know, certain boundaries so we didn't get hurt or we didn't really mess up. But recently, I'll tell you, my dad's becoming more and more protective. It's kind of funny. <laughs> like I got in a car accident a few weeks ago. My dad called me every 10 minutes to make sure I was okay. My sister's going through a divorce, and he calls all the time to check on her, and it's it's funny how parenting shifts throughout time and over time and how they show up in our lives differently. Yeah. It's a, everyone's on the journey. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's touching, you know, when you see these shifts, like, Oh wow, they're still going to be our parents forever and ever. So I want to move on to your travels because something that made me giggle when I was listening to your story was that you sold grilled cheese made with love to pay for the ride. I, I did. Um, my my parents, uh, when they found out that I wanted to take a year off and go do this thing, uh, they were they were you know supportive. They were like you know hey it's your it's your choice. Um, you know they worried about, about me like every parent does and want to make sure that I'm going to be all right. But I'd kind of proven to them that I had been a leader and had created some really cool things. So, and I had convinced them we had a smart talk. You know the guy this is if this doesn't pan out. You know, the worst thing that happens is I go back to school or I get a job. So let me just see if I can't create something on my own first and, and see where it takes me. And so they, they were they were they were supportive of that. But then, you know, what prevents a lot of people from going on great adventures is that, you know, how do you fund it? And I certainly needed to figure that out. My parents weren't made of money and there wasn't a lot of resources for me when I graduated from college and being on the road it costs to take something. And so my experience of being uh, and seeing the Grateful Dead really taught me that there are ways in which you can maneuver and, and travel with a band and you can make money as you go. And, and a big part of the, the Grateful Dead culture really is an entrepreneurial culture. They, they taught, taught people how to, how to create and make and, and put love into things. And so I, it just kind of dawned on me that that I could travel the country and I could roll into a rest area or a park or someplace that there were people and I could just, you know, jam some tunes and put my golden retriever out there on a blanket and flip open my table and put a two burner green Coleman camping stove. And I could fund my trip by selling sexy kind grocery <laughs> sandwiches made with love for $1. <laughs> Do you remember your biggest sales day as a grilled cheese made with love salesman? Oh yeah, I was the biggest the biggest amount of money that I got for one grilled cheese sandwich was fifty bucks. Rock on! <laughs> and that was that was a, a joyous uh, a joyous day for sure. People were you know the thing. Uh, here's another thing that uh, that I've discovered that prevents people from living extraordinary lives is that people don't want to appear foolish, and that prevents people. People we have, we are a culture that's addicted to looking good. We want to look good. We want to appear like we have our, our act together. And, and to risk and to be vulnerable, uh, it, it, you know, has people could appear foolish. You could get egg on your face. You could look stupid. And, and that is so fearful for most people. But if you can uh, not worry about that and do what it is that you need to do uh, to fulfill on your life's purpose, there's a, there's a lot of courage and there's a lot of possibility in that. And so what I 
I did, you know, I can look back on it and, and, and talk intelligently about it. I don't think that when it, when I started, I would have been, I I don't think I know I couldn't have articulated what I'm about to share with you now with any great, great, great clarity because I just didn't know it. I was just doing that same line that I mentioned about Eleanor Roosevelt, do what you can with what you have where you are. I was just doing the next right thing and the next right thing and the next right thing. And I needed to figure out how to generate money. And if I sold some grilled cheese sandwiches, I could, you know, put 10, 15, 20 bucks in my pocket and put gas and I could move. And that would be a really interesting and, 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 and um, fun way to, to make some, some magic happen. What I didn't realize is that by willing to put myself out there and, and, and appear foolish, a portal of possibility opened up beyond my wildest dreams. And that is with sitting on the side of a road selling grilled cheese sandwiches. There's, I'm, like a, I'm a surfer, as I said, and I love surfing. And the whole idea about surfing is that there are waves going by all the time. And in order to surf, you can't catch a wave on the beach. You have to paddle out there. You got to get you know, through the, through the whitewash. You got to get in position and you got to drop in to catch a wave. Um, but they're, they're, they're there all the time. You just have to be able to get in position to catch a wave. And so there are people walking by your life all the time. And you can consider those as waves. Any one of those experiences, you can jump on and ride and they're, they're pretty great. And people are rides. And they're going by you all the time. And if and if you're not engaged in the world in such a way that you're you're bumping into people, uh, then then your opportunities are going past you. By selling grilled cheese sandwiches, that put me in a place where people were going by me and interacting with me that I would have never known otherwise. So if you pull up into a rest area and you park right there where people are walking to the bathrooms, now all of a sudden, a hundred people I would have never known in my entire life now who are all from all walks of life are now crossing my path. And they, not everyone stops for sure, but some people would walk over and go, what are you doing? And I would, I, I'm fortunate that I can articulate my vision very quickly and I'm very enrolling very fast. And I can explain that there's a breakdown between young people and elders and that I want to talk to wise people that live extraordinary lives. And I want to do that for not only for myself, but for everyone so that we can learn from these great experiences of wise teachers and how I'm funding my trip is by selling sexy, kind grilled cheese sandwiches made with love for one dollar. You know, how many sandwiches would you like? And people would giggle or laugh or think I was strange or weird or judge me, but there was a whole lot of experiences. But there were enough people that would be like, that's super cool. And then they would give me five bucks for a sandwich or they'd give me 10 bucks for a sandwich because they felt that what I was doing and endeavoring to accomplish in this world was meaningful. And so I started to make way more money than my sandwiches were worth. And then what was fascinating is that people who found out what I wanted to do in the world started to tell me, oh my gosh, do you know Max Cleland? He's a triple amputee, a war hero, a Vietnam vet. He's one of my friends. He, he wrote a book called Strong at the Broken Places. He'd be a great interview, and I bet I can introduce you to him. Or somebody else would talk about Bill Chihuly, the world-renowned glassblower, and how they're friends. Or somebody else would talk about Kathy Thornton, the first woman in space who's an astronaut. And all of a sudden, random people who I would have never known by, by willing to put myself out there and speak my possibility into the world and endure being considered foolish, doors opened beyond my wildest dreams. And names and numbers came to me that I could go interview folks. And that, that is like one of the secret sauces to this. I, you know, I encourage everybody that putting yourself out there takes an awful lot of risk, but it, but it really, the, the reward that comes from, from, from venturing out into the unknown is, you know, if you're, if you have the, the courage to be on an adventure, that's, that's where the magic lies is just right past your comfort zone. I agree with you. And what a beautiful gift that you're sharing with my listeners, because I think if you stop worrying about being judged and you just show up as your authentic self, whether that's silly or whatever it is, you really do turn into a people magnet. It brings wonderful people into your path. And we spend way too much time worrying about being judged by others. Yeah, that's not been an issue for me. So I've been really fortunate. Um, yeah, so many wise teachers uh, that are out there that have been doing it for a long time, that are elders, are quick to point out that what other people think about you is just not your not your issue. Yeah, not your business, really. Yeah, and to, 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 if you want to stay in the herd, uh, you know, then, then do what the herd does. But if you want to venture out and create anything in the world, if you want to 
live the life that you're you know here to do, then you're going to go down the path nobody has gone down before because it's your own path, it's your own journey, it's your own experience. And so there's no way for anybody to be able to understand what you're going through or why you're doing it until you can prove it to everybody. And so uh, in order to do something amazing in your own life, there's going to be, by definition, a huge or a, a time or space or distance in which people don't get it. And they're not going to get it. The people that love you the most, your parents, your friends, your wives, your husband, they, they won't see it because it can't be seen yet. It doesn't get seen until you manifest it and, and burst it into the world. It's kind of like what Joseph Campbell would say, that you got to bring back the elixir. I love that. You have to go on a hero's journey first. You got you to gotta follow the call to adventure. You got to cross the threshold. You got to find a mentor. You got to slay the dragon. You got to go into the innermost cave. There's, you know, you got to go through trials and tribulations. There's such a space that you've got to journey through before you come back with the Holy Grail or the elixir or the potion or the insight or the new idea that's going to help make the world a better place. So that journey, most people um, won't go on because that journey is lonely. That journey is dark. That journey has you go inside and, and slay something. Uh, there is a death that has to happen and a resurrection. Most people don't want that. They want to watch, you know, American Idol. <laughs> well, you know what? It's just so people know what you're talking about. It is a movie called Finding Joe, and I have it on my iPad. I watched it last week for the hundredth time. So I understood everything you were just saying, and I think everyone should watch that movie. That is a good movie. And then also, I think I want to move into your book. When did this come about? Because it's sitting here in front of me. I gave it away at my live event last year to, as a bonus gift to people. You were kind enough to sign it. And you practice what you preach. I picked up the phone one day and called you. You answered your phone. You didn't know me. And you sent the books out autographed right away. And I thought, what a cool guy. He really does practice what he preaches. So how did this book come about? It's super cool. It stays on my coffee table 24-7. Uh, you know, I'm so honored. I appreciate that. I've, uh, the, the book has superseded my expectations, and I, it's a real, it's a real, an honor uh, that that people bestow to me is that that particular book uh, lives on nightstands, it lives on coffee tables, it lives on tour buses, in private planes. Uh, it, I, I get stories of where that lives in people's uh, lives, and it's usually not very far from them. So I. It doesn't get shelved and put somewhere. They they, inter they interact with it. So it's, a, it's been a real blessing. I give it away all the time and I open it up uh -huh. ran randomly and I go, this is the message I need today. So you inspire me a lot and I can't wait to hear how it came about. Uh, yeah, thanks. So the, 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 where that book came to be is, I, you know, I set off to go bridge this gap between young people and elders. And I didn't know what that was going to turn out to be or if anybody was going to say yes to me. But certainly... People said yes, and then more people said yes, and then all of a sudden now I'm meeting with the founder of the Ritz-Cult and the president of uh, Coca-Cola, the chairman of UPS. I'm meeting with Jerry Garcia. I'm meeting with you know, the director of the FBI. I'm meeting with governors. I'm meeting with all these amazing people, and there's a great line that John Steinbeck, who wrote a book called Travels with Charlie, which is a book about a journey he took with his dog. And, and people would tell me that I needed to read that book since I took off with my dog. And he has this great line. He said, sometimes you take a trip and sometimes the trip takes you. And for me, this trip was certainly taking me beyond my wildest uh, dreams. And people are really helpful. They can be very helpful. A lot of times, another thing I think that prevents people from going on great adventures is that they don't, they don't want to risk everything until they know how it all plays out. But the reality of it is, is that you can't possibly know how it plays out. That's what makes it an adventure. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called an adventure. You have to be willing to kind of you know, travel a, a mile and then figure out what's next and another mile and another mile. And things get revealed to you along the way. And so as, as I was out there on the road getting interviews, people would then challenge me and say, well, what are you doing with these interviews? And I would go, well, you know, I'm taking a picture and I'm writing about it in my journal. They said, well, maybe you should write a book. And so the next evolution was maybe I should write a book. But I, I, writing wasn't really my passion. I, I like communicating and connecting with people. Sitting down to write wasn't. But I documented my adventure and I'd take a photograph. And then as I was continuing even more so, people would say, well, you're, you're capturing the living oral history of some of the most phenomenal people on the planet. 
maybe you should videotape that. Maybe you should document it. And so that led into me picking up a team of people and buying a camera. And then we began uh, recording these interviews. And so we shot over 200 of the most extraordinary people, cataloged over 500 interviews, ended up getting a development deal with Walt Disney Studios that helped us create a short film. We took that short film to Sundance and we sold it at Sundance. It became one of the highest ranked short films in the world that gave us the leverage to raise a half a million bucks. And then we ended up making a feature film, a 90 minute feature film that we world premiered at South by Southwest that ended up winning uh, most memorable film there, uh, their 10 year retrospective. And it was a huge honor. And that led to appearances on the today show and New York times and wall street journal and fast company magazine. And, and our movie really, uh, it really impacted a lot of people's lives. It's, it's, it's very much in the same elk as Finding Joe, but even before that, it was that Finding Joe uh, describes the hero phenomenon. We just lived the hero phenomenon. We just ended up kind of bubblegumming and shoestringing an idea. It's a story about reconciliation between father and son. It's a story about following your dreams. It's a story about making a movie. It's a story about learning from wise elders. There's a, there's a lot going on, and that movie has had a significant impact on a lot of people's lives. And so we ended up making the movie first. And then, uh, of course, my parents, uh, which I love, uh, love to hold me accountable to whatever it is I say in the world. And so I had mentioned early on that I was going to write a book. And then my parents were like, well, you made this award-winning film. That's all great. But you told people you were going to write a book. So they wanted to make sure that I you know, did what I said. And so I ended up taking that and said, well, I'll write a book. And so then I ended up writing the story of my journey from start to finish. And I, I did it four times. It was a grueling experience to write to write my story and to write all the lessons that I learned and the experiences. And, and it really, it was, it was a major undertaking and I had editors that would help and all kinds of stuff. But every time I had finished the book, I just felt like it wasn't really it. You know, I, 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 I just didn't think my voice uh, was mature enough and that I was really offering um, besides just me explaining what I had done. I didn't think that I was, really giving anything back to the village that was really noteworthy. And so I, I would always poo-poo it even to the chagrin of my business associates and you know, advisors and whatnot that I just, I didn't want to put a book out there that didn't, that didn't have a, a heart. Uh, and so I, I shelved it. And then the last attempt that I had, I, I had this epiphany that I wanted to, to write a book that wasn't about me. Uh, and it was about the user and that I could take advantage of the fact that I, I learned how to take a journey and to open up doors and to meet wise people. And what happens if I created a book that enabled other people to do the exact same thing? They could have a little bit of story about my background, but it really, the book isn't about me. It's about the person reading it. And then I just had this epiphany, and it was just that I would write this book. Um, I called the, the, the book is called Live in Wonder. And um, that book is Quest Quotes and Questions to Jumpstart Your Journey. And how I came with the idea of wonder, live in wonder, is that as a guy now that's been invited to give speeches um, to organizations all over the world about what I've learned, and I've learned many great things after meeting all these extraordinary people from the importance of, of speaking your possibility into the world, the importance of um, uh, um, asking others for help, the, you know, the importance of building strong teams. I mean, there's so many great lessons that I've learned, but the most salient thing that I've learned is that the people who really do, in my opinion, live extraordinary lives over a multitude of decades and who are respected and revered by their peers uh, are people who haven't lost their sense of wonder. And they've maintained that sense of childlike curiosity, that sense of awe and marvel. They move through the world with a sense of sacredness. They're, they're intrigued. Uh, uh, they're curious by nature. They, they, they interact and play for a living. They've collapsed work and play. And so that was why I want, I, you know, I thought, well, this is a book that I can share with the world is that, and the secret, one of the secrets, if there is a secret to, to success and, and, and longevity and, uh, and living an amazing life is that to maintain that sense of wonder. And then the book is broken down into this, uh, it's based on this adage that, that has been a big part of my journey, which is to know the road ahead, ask those coming back. 
And so the idea is that anything, anybody wants to learn, like there's no excuses. I, you know, people make excuses why they can't do something. And the truth is there are no excuses. Uh, anything that you want to create in this world, um, the, the idea is that you go identify people who are doing what it is that you're doing or close to doing what it is that you envision doing, and then have the courage to take the, that person out for a cup of coffee and find out what they've learned, what they've, what, what values they live by, the mistakes they've made, and then become wiser so that you can increase your odds of success. You don't have to do it alone. And so the book is based on that. The idea is that you, uh, you find people in your life that are doing what it is that you want to do, um, have the courage to ask them out for coffee and, or a bagel or a walk on the beach or whatever. And then the quotes are these things that I have used in my own life to keep my heart open and my mind full of possibility. And then the questions are all the questions that, that I use during my interviews that could engage people in conversation and that people use this book now to, to interview grandparents before they pass so that they can capture the living oral history uh, of their family. So it's a legacy gift to grandchildren who wouldn't be able, that are five or six now, but when they're 16 and 17, they'll be able to read what grandma and grandpa thought about the important things in life organizations use it to have their executives go out and, and interview people so they can become wiser. Uh, families use it to get to know each other. Couples use it to get to know each other. Um, it's been, it's been a real delight to hear all the ways in which people utilize and take advantage of the book. You really are. I mean, you are living a cool life. I, your name came up in a conversation just recently with Ella Stimson from Ispa. You went and you were a keynote speaker there. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was amazing. I think it's cool. You're out there just doing what you want to do in the world, and you're intriguing a lot of people and sharing a lot of very cool messages. And I want to ask you, and hopefully I'm not going to throw you off here, but what does success mean to you? Oh, it won't throw me off at all. Success is a, there's a couple of things about success that, that, uh, that I'm real passionate about. One, um, this was one of the greatest insights that I got on my journey. Um, I had the, the good fortune of meeting Horst Schultze, who is the founder of the Ritz-Carlton. And the Ritz-Carlton is, you know, when he was, you know, the main guy there, I mean, that was the top customer service hotel in the world, kings, queens, presidents, anybody, if anybody stayed at the Ritz. And he had created an amazing culture of empowered people who, we're there to, to be of service. The, the, the mission of, of the Ritz-Carlton is ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. It's just really classy. And, it, and unlike organizations today where you talk to somebody and they're like, I just work here. I have no power. I can't do anything. And they always try to pass the buck. In his organization, anybody on the floor could solve a problem for people. And um, it was just really about taking care of each other. And that's why they became super successful. And, and I had had the opportunity to sit with him. And I asked him, as a man who had interacted with some of the top people in the world, uh, what his definition of success was. And what he told me changed the, my life forever. And what he said, he said, Eric, you probably think that success is something in the future. That if you, you know, you're now in this bus, you're traveling around the country, you just got out of college, you're meeting all these extraordinary people. And, and if you keep doing that, then, you know, someday you may write a book or it may become a movie or something out there in the future. Um, if things go well for you, uh, that you would be successful. And that sounded exactly right to me. I like that. That sounds exactly what's in my head. He said, that's not where success lies. He said, what, where success lies is that success lies with you today and every day, doing excellently whatever it is you say you're going to do. Mm. Then sooner or later, you may get a reward, which you may interpret as success, but it's only a reward for doing excellently whatever it is you say you're going to do. And it was profound for me because he reframed it. I, I definitely believe that success was something in the future. He said, that's not it. That success is right now in this moment. That's powerful. For sure. This moment. Very if, powerful. If we're able to commit to doing excellently and be people that, 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 that our word is, in, is important, integrity is important, and that we choose to treat this moment as sacred and special, and we do excellently whatever it is that we say we're going to do, 
then you're going to get rewards along the way, which you may interpret as successes, but they're just rewards for being exactly who you say you're going to be in the world. And so it changed my life. It gave me freedom to be excellent uh, and to trust the process of life unfolding. And so that would be my first answer to that is that success is in this moment and, and being committed to excellence. The second thing that I've learned now living in Hawaii and being part of an extraordinary community of farmers who live off the grid and plant food and feed people and who are really on the forefront of uh, creating a really healthy world, um, they, they've really taught me that, that success is about community, uh, it's about music, and it's about eating food that's nurturing. Okay. Now, next time I'm in Maui, I go every year, I want to come meet you in person and celebrate this with you. <laughs> For sure. It's an extraordinary, I mean, it's a very wondrous place. And I hang out with some of the smartest people that really are, they're, they're just, they're, they're amazing. They, they plant food. They, they, they know how to harness energy. They know how to um, build structures. They know how to live off the land and, it's a very simple life, but it's very complex. They're, they're very smart people who have built an extraordinary community that's centered in love and communication and food and live music. And just, it's, it's very indigenous. It's very, very simple. Uh, yet, uh, it has changed my life. I mean, the TV and noise and news and all the stuff that's distracting that keeps us from being in our heart. Um, it's easy to get caught up in it, but it's, uh, in, in my life now, that 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 is the most soothing uh, place uh, that I've, I've I've found, and that that that's success to me now is is a, is a community of really uh, thoughtful people that are up to something big. I think it's amazing, and I can visualize it. And I actually, I born, being born and raised in Vermont, I lived it for a very long time, and I think I forgot about it till you just reminded me of that. So thank you. I that's my gift of many that you've shared mm. with me today. When you move from Vermont to LA, you lose sight of some of these things. Yeah, there's you know we're it's a complicated world we live in, and it's easy to get distracted. There's you know the the news is is horrible. You know the traffic is horrible. Um, people are you know the, it's easy to get caught up in all that and then start to make that our reality. And it, there there's a you get to choose any life that you want. Yeah, and it doesn't have it doesn't have to be the one that you're in right now. You can change it right now and shift and sell everything you have and jump in a bus if that moves you, or you can go to Bali, Indonesia, and, or you could go to some foreign other part of the world, or you could start working with homelessness or whatever it is that lights you up. It doesn't really matter to me what it is that lights you up. I just think life is very sacred and beautiful and very fickle and you never know what's going to happen. And so whatever it is that calls you to the depths of your soul, that, that is the voice that's, that's whispering to you. It's that little inner child that's tugging on your pant leg that says, do this. This is what you've always wanted to do. Don't worry about whether it makes, if it makes you money or not. Don't worry about what the future entails or if there's security with it. Just if it, if it gives you your life force, that is that is it. What else would you want? It'll it'll make you healthier. It'll get get you up excited. It'll make you go to bed fulfilled. It'll make you more interesting to be around. And uh, I have faith that people are very resilient and very resourceful. And if you're going down a path that lights you up, you will find a way. Yeah, there's something to be said with passion when passion drives you and. I know that everyone listening is going to want continued inspiration from you. How can they find your stuff? Oh my gosh. Well, there's a, uh, thank you um, for speaking. If anybody has a desire to have me come and speak to their organization, um, Eric Sapperston, uh, E-R-I-C-S-A-P-E-R-S-T-O-N is my speaking site. And then we have a whole um, conversation with the world around wonder. Uh, and that website is live in wonder.com that's l-i-v-e-i-n-w-o-n-d-e-r uh, you can uh, certainly get the book there i highly recommend downloading the, our first film the journey and uh and then make sure that you sign up so that we can be in community with you and and be on this uh, journey together awesome 
Thank you so much for your time. I know you're on the road and you're busy running around, but really when I'm in Hawaii this fall, I'm going to look you up and see if you're around. I'd love to take you out for a cup of coffee. <laughs> you know what? I would look forward to it very much. And Lord, I just appreciate what you're up to in the world. And, and I'm just really honored to know you and glad that we're, uh, we get to uh, travel this wonderful uh, path together. And, and thank you for including me in your, uh, your program today. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. Safe travels to you. And I look forward to connecting with you soon. You got it. All the best to you. You too. Thanks, Eric. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me for this episode of The Beauty Biz Show. I hope that you're feeling motivated, inspired, and ready to step forward and invest in you. I know that I'm thrilled to be offering you the opportunity to join me in Phoenix, Arizona, August 2nd and 3rd at a five-star luxury resort where I'm going to be joined by my favorite industry leaders and experts. The entire two-day event is designed to be this year's premier business training for beauty biz practitioners, where we are going to be sharing tons of new age beauty biz success strategies. They're going to be thousands of dollars worth of business building gifts given away from the stage. I'm also really excited that Katie Anderson, the editor of Skin Inc. Magazine, will be there to meet all of you. This is your opportunity to meet with approachable, powerhouse-type people and build your success Rolodex. Also, Estatini's, which are my signature cocktail, will be flowing at our cocktail party. This is an opportunity for you to build your success community and find accountability partners and other people you can add to your success Rolodex. I want this to be fun, memorable, and an experience that you walk away from feeling so excited and so full of business building ideas that you cannot wait to return to work. And as a special little surprise, your success training starts right away. I am a firm believer that before success arrives, you have to be ready for it. So I've designed a special bonus gift. It's a pre-event training that you won't find anywhere else. I've never offered this before. Weekly, you'll receive mini success coaching lessons delivered right to your inbox. So from the time you sign up for the live event until the time you arrive in Arizona, I'm going to be reaching out to you each week to keep you on the path of dreaming bigger, living successfully, and planning it out accordingly. Consider this your VIP invitation to spend two powerful, profitable days with me, August 2nd and 3rd, 2015 in Phoenix, Arizona, having a ton of fun while learning my fail-proof system for making a lot more money in your beauty biz. Go ahead and grab your seat at www.estheticianmasterclass.com, www.estheticianmasterclass.com. Thanks for tuning in to the beauty biz show i hope this episode leaves you feeling inspired to live beautifully if you'd like a copy of my free report six simple strategies to generate a dramatic increase in your beauty biz income and fill your appointment book with valuable clients please visit www.lauricrete.com or if you'd like to book an appointment at my spa in los angeles please visit www.thespa10.com thanks again for tuning in to the beauty biz show